Welcome to the Secret to My Success Show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Alaseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. Good day, this is Alan, Secret to My Success, here with Mr. Luis Alaseo. Good day, good day, Alan. What's going on, man? How's it going, buddy? Good to be back. What's up? It's good to be back. Yeah. We actually had a lot of fun last week, huh? Talking about bugs and things. Bugs and things. Bugs and things. You know, I went home and I got, got some of those device, little gadgets, whatever it's called, devices. And it was called the bug bite thing. The bug bite thing. And yes. give it to my kids. And they're like, they took them to school and uh, they had, had a lot of fun with it. Given hickeys. They, they were hoping that the bug bite, you know, get, get bitten by a bug so they can use it. But I'm like, don't get bitten by a bug. Just, right. Just just in case. That's pretty funny. Yeah. No, it was exciting. I showed I showed them the pictures of the, you know the show and and all the stuff and a great time. That's something cool. so simple. Exactly. Make you so much money. Yes. It's incredible. Necessity, it's the mother of invention. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Crazy. So, how was your weekend? Do anything fun? Actually, um, we had a baseball game scrimmage, and then I, I actually smoked some ribs, some beef ribs, and I love smoking on the weekends. And really. Not not cigarettes, yeah. Doing you know, barbecue no, smoking, I yeah. I have a Traeger. I, I gotta learn. To that's for smoking. lazy people. Oh, you gotta do it the right way, the old way, you know. But I found a trick. Um, I did these beef ribs. I've done them before. I usually smoke them for about six hours, seven hours. But this time, I went ahead and uh, I rubbed. I took the membrane out, rubbed them with my secret season, you know, which is salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's salt and pepper with beef, anyways. A little bit, of, you know. Put a little binder on it so it, everything sticks to it. After two and a half hours, I wrapped them up with tin foil, but I added butter in it, another little bit of barbecue sauce, more um, seasoning, and I have them there for about two more hours. And then another hour, I kind of open them up, so dry them up a little bit. I'm going to tell you what, when I went to grab them, things were, the bones were coming right off. And I did that with, with uh, spare ribs, and I'll tell you what, that's the trick. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's a little bit quicker because by rubbing them, you kind of increase the temperature inside, but they stay so tender and moist. It's ridiculous. I want to cancel the show. Let's go get lunch. Hey, man. Breakfast, something. I don't brisk. I mean, I love, I love cooking. I love doing that stuff. Well, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. We actually have a really cool guest today. He's going to tell his secrets of rubbing beef. Hmm. What do you think? What type of beef? I don't know. John. John King. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, but listen, I got to be honest. I'm sitting over here being quiet as he's kind of crapping on the Traeger, saying that it's lazy. I just bought one for myself, and I got to tell you, it's I'm the gonna, best I'm in the grill you ever bought. It's the best thing. This is Tuesday. I'm on the second day of my meat coma. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm useless. No, you know, you know what it is. I I actually like the the part of adding the fire. I, I like to get involved in the trigger. It is easy. I mean, you, they even have them now where you can actually control with you know, with your phone. And so that's what I have. And what's yes. funny is when I was there buying it, I'm thinking, who does that? You either know how to cook or you don't know how to cook. Who needs all of that electronic stuff? And I was all set to buy a regular grill, and the girl come up and said, "I'll take this one." 
and I bought the Traeger with all the electronics. I was so happy with it. I went up to Boston for my grandson's second birthday. He's turning two. And guess what he got for his birthday? Traeger. A Traeger. <laughs> now they do, hold on. Hold on. You bought your two-year-old grandson a Traeger? Yes, because I'm the smartest man in the world. Let me explain. So Johnny, my oldest son, way too cheap to go buy one for himself, and I know this. So I said, okay, well, then I'm getting Tommy a Traeger. And I had the guy delivered as I was flying up there on the plane, and this massive truck pulls up, and the package says Tommy's birthday present. I made the guy put a piece of paper on the same Tommy's birthday present. My in-laws think I'm mental because uh, I bought a two-year-old a Traeger, but I think I get like grandfather with a year over here. I think that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. No, I, I listen. I, I, I think uh, there's a lot of you know. I'd rather do it the old way, but I tell you what, there's times that I feel like I feel like I wish I had one because you know it's so easy. I mean, I was with a friend of mine um, a month ago, and he we was in Atlanta, and he calls his wife in Texas, and he goes, "Babe, I'm just gonna crank up the the grill." When it's about give me ten more minutes, and we're we're in Atlanta, and he's in Texas in Dallas, and he says I'm gonna turn it on. Don't get scared, it's just me. Yeah. Uh, I tell you when to put the meat, and uh, he had I think he had a brisket. It was gonna do for like sixteen hours. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. So I mean, he flying the next morning, and the thing will be done. That's I mean, hey, it's 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 awesome. It really is, it's, and I thought it was foolish about the electronics, but it's so cooked by internal temperature, cooked by time yep. and temperature. Yep. However, you want to do it. I gotta save all the money. It's an expensive hobby. My older brother Jimmy, retired firefighter, is like, "Hey, that's not a hobby for me. I just can't afford that." <laughs> I see your meat no, you know, you get you get the different kind of chips for flavor and things like that. So I, I, mean, I got mine from Costco, and I didn't get the electronic one. I just well, bought the... because when you bought it, there wasn't that one wasn't available. Now I, it is available. No, no, it was. It, it was. Just, yeah, it was just cheap then. I think it paid like <laughs> five hundred bucks for it. Then you got another four hundred bucks. You get right. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I just figured I, I got way too many gadgets and too many programs on my phone to turn off lights and fans. Look, and man, you either my thermostat. You know what? You either like it or you or you don't. And I tell you what, it's uh, it's fun. I, I love grilling. I love roasting pigs. I love you know doing barbecues and you know. Hey, I actually bought a cow this year, this past year, and I had it. I had did, it. Did you name the cow? Actually, somebody else did. And that's the reason I ended up getting it because it became attached to it and didn't want to take it to the slaughterhouse and prepare it and all that. But I came out, it's the, probably the best meat I've ever had because it was it was raised on corn and feed and all that. And I think it weighed like 1,500 pounds. And we got about 900 pounds after it was processed, wow. you know, of steaks. I mean, everything's vacuum sealed, labeled, and everything. So, hey, John, you want to split a cow with me? Oh, my God. I tell you what. I, my, wife, tell you, my wife like divorced me though. Let me tell you something. If you get a chance to do it, do it. It's the actually the best meat you're ever gonna have. If you if you raise them the right way, if you know where you get it from. Uh, I was like I said, I was lucky with that one because the guy did it for himself, and then it got so big, everybody in the family got attached to it, and they didn't want to kill it. So he called. I, I called him up, and I was lucky. And so, so he got so attached to this cow. No, him, to kill his it. family, his wife his and family. kids. His family. And then he called Louie and said, We're "No, I actually, you the cow I, I was, and you could kill it." I got lucky. I was actually calling different, and I saw this beautiful cow. This thing was huge. I'm like, so I called him like thousand bucks. So, make long story short, I paid a thousand for the cow, hundred twenty five to get him slaughtered. And a dollar five per pound per process. So I was I got nine hundred pounds of meat for under three dollars a pound. Hmm. Super super cheap and the best meat. I mean, I you're talking about the rib rolls. You're talking about 
everything, the fillets, butter. Oh, wow. The best. Now, better than the Wagyu beef that I always say? Well, I was looking for Wagyu, and the reason I didn't get one because the price was like 8000 10000 So when well, I get I just it, tried and, that and this one was time. a Black Angus, so it was about right. the same. Hold on, John. You said you just tried it? I just tried that Wagyu, uh, the ribeyes and the fillets for the first time, and I'm telling you, it was $179 a pound for a ribeye, and that hurt. Wow. And I said, but you know what? Sun's down. We got all the family, all the boys in a row for a big Sunday dinner, and I cooked it all up. I got to tell you, I'm just as happy with a tenderloin that you can go buy for $13 a pound. Wow. You know, you go to Costco and you get yourself some ribeyes, and it's just as good, man. Hey, John, maybe it's the cook. It could be. <laughs> right? I'm just kidding. That guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing you're going to start is you're going to start sous vide your meat before you grill it. <laughs> That's the trick. You're going to do what to your meat? Sous vide the meat. How do you do that? It's an actual thing that you buy. It's called sous vide. Sous vide. And you put it on. You put your, you, it's basically like you, you, you do vacuum seal your meat. You season it. Vacuum seal it. You put it in a pot of water. And you put this thing on the water. And he actually cooks it for three to four hours at a temperature of 129 or 130, whatever you put in. So I, want, I like it medium rare. So let's say you want to eat at 6 o'clock today. So I 1 o'clock, I put the thing for three hours. It's going to come out like, like it looks like a boiled piece of meat, but it's not. And then when you're ready to eat it, all you do is get your flames nice and hot, and then you sear the outside. The meat is already cooked. So it takes so you 15 minutes. You see hmm. what I'm saying? And it's the absolute best. I think restaurants do this a lot at real high ends, and they don't tell you that because that's how I've been doing my steaks. I actually did a slab of uh, spare ribs about a month ago that way. I, I sous vide them for six hours. Then I went ahead and seared the outside, and it was, like, super delicious, super wow. tender. John, you don't really want to talk about cars today. We're just going to We're just going to talk about meat and cooking, eating pigs and all that stuff. If there's one thing that will get my attention away from cars, it's going to be smoking meat right now. So, <laughs> I have issues. I have a couple of issues out there. Cars are one of them, and now the meat is another one. And none of this was pre-planned. We're just kind of going with no. the flow on this. This is pretty wild, huh? <laughs> yes, carnivores in town. How big's your Traeger? That didn't sound good. <laughs> that did not sound good. How big is your Traeger? That did not sound good. Sorry, I have buddy. Traeger Envy. My neighbor's got a bigger one, and it kills oh, me. Oh, my God. Wow. Don't let your wife know. I'm just kidding. So did, you go, <laughs> so did you go over there and envy his big Traeger? She left me for a guy with a bigger Traeger. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This guy's going in all different directions. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, let's back to where we started. We're going to go back to, to cars. I got to tell you what. There is nothing as screwed up as the car industry right now, is there? Man, both ways, up and down. It's been like like the last, I'll say, three months roller coaster it was the end of the the hype of everything just going insane and then now we're coming like the, the correction starting to happen so prices are dropping it's, it's a scary time like you have zero confidence right now you feel dumb no matter what you buy john i gotta tell you what though i the new car industry i know you're primarily doing used uh, or pre-owned and you know i've got a kid who works for one of the major manufacturers and i don't want to the, want to mention their name right now because it probably might not be good for my kid's career but I ordered a car from them in January, okay? Yeah. And I still don't have it. Yeah. And I've been getting... They're detailing it for you. Oh, I've been getting every story <laughs> in the world. And the biggest problem is, is that the discount code, as an employee of that organization, like nobody, nobody locally wants to honor it. Like, yeah, no, we're not sure. going to sell you one of those cars. So... <laughs> 
you order the vehicle if you can get a dealer to do it and you wait and you wait and you wait and then you keep calling and the dealer blames the manufacturer and then the manufacturer blames the dealer and they go back and forth oh your car's gonna be built in august they're playing you your car's gonna be built in they're telling you lies oh yeah they're telling me lies there's no question they want to get you traeger <laughs> so the latest was that it's being produced i'm like okay and it's been in production now for 14 days. I'm thinking if it took them 14 days on the line to build my car, this manufacturer's going out of business. <laughs> right? And, yeah, they probably get seven hours in reality. Oh, it's crazy. So I get a local dealer calls me and he's telling me about the model. And uh, I said, you got one? He says, yeah. I said, okay, so uh, what's MSRP? And he says, 72. I'm like, uh, you got the wrong model. He says, no. I'm like, no, that model, MSRP is 52. And he says... Well, no, not when we add up all the other stuff that you don't really want, but we're going to sell it to you. I'm like, so you're adding 20 grand to the MSRP of the vehicle? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are like you... it's a normal thing. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Are you kidding me? And I said, oh, well, you wanted the uh, employee discount. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, not even close. It's a, it's a shame. It's just, it's, and, you know, you wonder, will people have long memories? Will they remember what the dealers did to them during times like this? You bought seven Mercedes in a row from somebody, and then they tried to get you for 20000 over. Will people have the long memories? Or when things go back to normal, will they just keep going to that same franchise store over and over again and buying the new cars the way they always did? Well, I don't understand how the manufacturer is letting the dealers jack this thing up. Because none of that profit goes to the manufacturer, right? Oh, God, right. No, no. Right. So it's the dealers that are just being pigs about this. It's okay, well, listen, I can see both sides of the argument being a business owner. Like, as a business owner... You, you've cut my production by 60%. So how are they supposed to keep the doors open, keep all those people employed if their volume is diminished by 40 to 60%? So, I mean, there is a very real math problem there that right. you're not going to be able to do it, that something's got to give. Um, and that's where, you know, the, the system comes into play. And they're threatening to take away warranties if you flip them for cash. There's all kinds of stories out there about what the manufacturer is going to do, but... I mean, the bottom line is they owe it to their franchises who paid all that money to keep the supply of cars flowing. I was up in Maine and I was uh, looking at one of the new car dealerships. And first of all, they're now open from like nine to four. That's it. Mm -hmm. They're not open on Saturdays and Sundays because all they had was three vehicles. And they yeah. figured, why do we have to be open all day and all night like we were to sell three cars? That's it. That's all we have. I don't know why they don't go into the used car market, though. This is what I keep saying. Like, all these big franchise guys, they got a lot more money than I do. Why aren't they filling up their lots with used cars? I mean, people are still buying them. I've got three guys over here. They're selling 100 to 120 cars a month. And, and they want to, you know, they're like, hey, we're getting tight. Can we bring on more people? I'm like, no, that costs money. It's like, you know, this is, this is a very good time to be in the business. So let's, let's make as much as we can. But I just don't understand driving by these franchise stores with empty shelves. Like I, there too, I think you owe it to your people. Go fill the lot with something that somebody wants to buy. Give these chance, these guys a chance to make some money, you know, and stay active and stay shop. Is it owners' egos that say, no, 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 we're not a used car shop. We're we're a new car. That's what we do. That's what you know. That's what we're yeah, right on. I can't understand it though. I mean, if they're not supplying you with the new cars, you got to do something. I mean, I, I don't know. So that COVID thing started. I really thought we might go out of business. I can remember my GM Christian coming to me saying, "Listen, I could probably go three months without a salary." you know, and just try to hang in there and fight through this. And I was like, he started scaring me. Like, I wasn't thinking along those lines. Like, what are you talking about? He says, well, if this is as bad as they say it is, we could be out of business in weeks. I'm like, ah, 
I thought they have a heart attack. But honestly, we doubled during 2020. We doubled again in 2021. So I think all the government money that went out to kind of help people to be able to kind of stay busy, spend money, and stay active. So we, you know, we raised our inventory when a lot of other people shrunk down. And it definitely paid off for us. And we've got probably the best inventory I've ever had in the seven years I've been open. And everybody in town kind of notices that the inventory got a lot nicer. There's a lot more newer uh, cars under warranty. Gone are the old days of classic cars. We just kind of transitioned into more of, you know, what's hot and what, what's in demand. Yeah. So what's, what kind of car is hot right now? I got to tell you, the new Bronco is crushing it. They're doing so well. Uh, the Corvettes are still popular. Um, the big domestic stuff, like the, the Tahoes and the Yukons and the, the Escalade. You'll be able to get I, any of those? I do. I've got a 23 Escalade being delivered today. Um, just delivered a 21 Yukon. Uh, I was just talking to a good customer of mine. Uh, looking, he, he wanted the new body style Range Rover. And I just saw one running through one of the auction sites. And it's at $170,000 right now, and it's going to go over $200,000. It's oh. just insane. You have a bathroom he, in that car or something? Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it's just a new style. And it's a Range Rover, which is beautiful. Grand for a Range Rover? Yeah, they get like four yeah. miles on a gallon. Yeah. I hope he flies, too. So <laughs> I, I think you're going to have to pick up some Challengers and Chargers. I hear they're going to stop making them in 2023. Yeah, they're talking about all those pushwater engines. So a lot of these Hellcat motors are in everything. We've got like some of the TRXs out there. We've got a Charger Hellcat sitting on the property. Um, you know, that's just a blast to drive, and it's scary fast. And it's funny, when everybody else is getting into hybrid and electric, his Dodge saying, well, I can put a Hemi in this. I can put a, a Hellcat engine in this. And they're just going power, power, power. So it's shocking to hear that they're going to pull away from that now. I heard they were coming out with uh, an electric Barracuda. Well, that'd be kind of cool. You know, that was supposed to be if super they, fast. Ah, oh, my God. Well, you know, if, if you play with any of the electric cars, and like we're tied into the electric market. I mean, I've got a handful of Teslas. I got two of the new Lucids. I got two of the new Rivians. I got e-trons. I got Tycons. I mean, everything electric, I have it, and I love it. Tell you, I have to put five new 220 outlets on the front of my building just to be able to charge everything. Johnny, uh, two weeks ago, a friend of mine drives a Tesla, one of the, the high-end ones. He was driving it. His wife was driving it, and she hit another car. Like, it wasn't even that much, and the whole thing went up on fire. Burned up, yeah. total. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it didn't even hit. It wouldn't even be a couple grand worth of damage. You know? well, well, now that it's big toast. <laughs> no, 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 it's total now. But, I mean, I'm like, why the hell I think just got on fire that quickly? Batteries. Yeah. yeah the that's lithium a, batteries. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. So who's got the biggest charging network? I heard at one oh, point I, that it was Tesla. Tesla. Ford's claiming that they've got a larger charging network than Tesla. Really? Yeah. Maybe through affiliation, I would imagine. Right saying that they have access to this charging network and that charging network but uh, when do you I mean, think it's not going away but when do you think we have 80 90 percent of the cars be electric i have a hard time of it ever getting that high and i know you get some of the liberal states that want to pass legislation saying you can't build combustion engines i don't think we could ever really get there not with the balance of power shifting every four to eight years I just don't think we'll ever get that strict because this is huge. One, the electric cars can put a huge strain on the grid. Um, second, what do you do about disposal of all of these 
components of the lithium batteries and the mining that's required to produce a single lithium battery. Not as green as everybody says. So I, I just think that common sense will prevail. It's a cool technology. It's outstanding technology. It changes what you think a sports car is. But I just don't know if it's ever going to – I don't know if we'll ever sell more electric cars than combustion engine cars. So everybody's talking about that if you're going to get an electric car, you need a supercharger and you need a fast charge. But it's actually really not good for the batteries. Your thoughts? Well, so we can, we never fully charge the batteries. Like we'll always charge everything to about 85%. And even if you take a trip on a Tesla, let's say, people make mistakes. They go to the, the supercharger and they want to, like, you know, maximize that battery. And the pros will tell you, no, follow the Tesla charging instructions. They might tell you to charge to 53% and then go X amount of miles and go to this charging station, you know, that might be 250 miles away, and then charge to this percentage. So they'll tell you better off to follow the directions from the manufacturer. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, Tesla puts an eight-year unlimited mileage warranty, or maybe now the 150. Like eight years, 150,000-mile warranty on those batteries. So they know that they have a re- you know reliable product. I mean, better more so than a combustion engine. Uh, but I, I think there are still concerns out there. I think disposal is a concern. I think battery degradation is a concern. Because as, as these cars are, let's say, three years old, if it was brand new with a 340 miles worth of range, in a couple of years it can only have 260 miles worth of range, which means some of your cells are dying. Yes. And you got to get into the manufacturers not to replace those dead cells and get that battery back up to where you know, it was manufactured to be. But I also hear cold weather places don't get nearly as much rain. So if you're up in Maine in the cold weather, <laughs> you're not going nearly as far. Sure. And and again, the cold and the heat both can affect your battery. Like when I moved here to Florida, tires and batteries got eaten up faster than they did up north. And then imagine cold start. I mean, that 12-volt battery is when you got to really protect on the Tesla because it's hard to get out of it. You lose your 12-volt battery. Now you can't open any of your hatches. You can't get to it. That's a massive repair on a Tesla if you lose your 12-volt battery. And you get plenty of warning when when it's getting down low. And Tesla can actually see those warnings and will sometimes make a preemptive call and say, we're going to send a Tesla mobile unit to you to replace that 12-volt battery. You know, it's funny. I never thought about that until I moved down here up Connecticut Mm -hmm. by you in Massachusetts. You you got maybe one or two warnings that your car wasn't going to start. And it starts down here in Florida. (laughs) Click, click, done. That's it. Out of nowhere, that thing's dead. Heat and eat. I mean, my sons are on the lot right now, and they know anything that's more than five years old. I want started every day. Something that's around ten years old, you better take it for a hot lap around the block. I mean, these things need to keep moving. Or like us, they're going to wither away and die. We don't keep moving. Right. So that's, that's our scene. So, so is it fair to say for a person that wants to get into a Tesla, not better not to get a used one because you're going to run into the the warranty issues with the batteries and the cost of them, right? Well, I don't know. Though. I'm, I'm really not concerned with battery replacement. That's, it's not. It's a fear that people have, and they've had this with Prius going back 15 years. They always worried about the cost of replacement, but there was nobody saying, "Hey, I just got killed replacing the battery on a, on a Prius or a Tesla." They're really extremely reliable. Think about your ceiling fan in your house. It just spins and spins and spins. You don't shut it off for 10 years. It just spins up there. So what's the so what's the life expectancy of the battery then? What's well, warranty? Again, so I've sold Teflos with 250,000 miles on them. That's no, no different than a brand new one. That's kind of the cool part. A lot of cars start to feel loose, and they, 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 they lack power. They lack the performance they once had. 200,000-mile Tesla feels no different than a 2,000-mile Tesla, hmm. as long as you've still got that, that, that battery that has the range. So range there's no wear on tear on the parts in the car? 
very little. I mean, the brakes, you have regenerative braking, so you're not going through a brake like you would in a regular car. You're taking your foot off the accelerator, and the car is braking by pulling back on that electric motor. Kind of like a golf so, cart. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, that's why with the full self-drive, the car slows down. You can maintain a two- to three-car length behind somebody. He accelerates, your car accelerates. He slows down, you slow down. He stops, your car stops. And you never even touch your brake. I, I got to tell you, I made a solar car. It's kind of a joke. But I have, I have this Toyota Solara. And mm-hmm. the guy, he hooked up uh, an amplifier for my stereo, and he hardwired it into the battery. So if you don't drive the car every three or four days... Yeah, it kills it. kills the battery. Yeah. So I got tired of that. So I actually got one of those little solar panels, mm-hmm. and I had it on uh, the dashboard, but every time I took a turn, it was sliding around. So I actually drilled a couple holes, and I mounted it on the front license plate grill, and I <laughs> then hardwired it to the battery because I was afraid that it wasn't charging if the cigarette lighter wasn't active when the car was off. So my little Solara has a solar panel in the front of the car. Well, the name's Solar. 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 And I've got to tell you, I have not had an issue with that since I did it. So my question always was, why is it you can't take an electric vehicle and put solar panels on the roof to generate your own electricity? And then my son, this engineer, laughed at me and said... Because you look like you're back to the future. (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that. Because when you're trying to generate enough electricity to charge a 12-volt battery, a little different. But these batteries on these cars are so big and massive that the only thing that solar panel would do is drain the energy from those batteries. Like, it's just (laughs) never possible to put a solar on a car and generate enough electricity to make that car move 10 feet. And that's why we don't build them. We leave it to the engineers. Right? Exactly. Except for your solar Solara. That will become a collector's item. My solar Solara. You'd be proud of me. I've, I've got a 2003 Solara. It had 80,000 miles when I bought it like two years ago. I paid three grand for it. And you still got 85,000. And, and it's in great shape. But those deals don't seem to be around anymore, are they, John? No. No. Oh, my gosh. It, they've disappeared. It, it gets to the point where junk was selling for five to $10,000. Like, what has happened to people? But I think everybody just lost their mind a little bit. The market just kept climbing and climbing. And, you know, there's all these jokes about, like, hey, man, I know what I got here. This is, you know, it's only 190,000 miles, and it sells for $10,000. Like, people got crazy. And, and it's hard. Like, you know, we got a trade car, so you got to be honest and upfront with people. But you show them the data, and they just hear all these stories, and, like, on Facebook, and they want to try getting, like, crazy money. So, you know, you kind of sound like a car dealer there. You got something that we both know is worth five hundred to a thousand dollars, and you want to try to get somebody to pay you five to ten thousand dollars for it. Isn't that what you always hated about car dealers that they did stuff like that? Chew on that for a minute. So okay. What brand? Money. What brand or what type of car would be the easiest to get right now? What what car would be what? The easiest to actually get because I know they're getting kind of difficult to get. It takes a long time. It's only newer new used. Car, I don't know who's got. I don't know who's got full supply right now on the new car side. I, I really don't. I mean, everybody. How about used? Used a little of everything. I mean, I think SUVs are still in pretty decent supply. If you hunt for cars, like I spend more time than I've ever spent trying to keep this lot full. I mean, we try to hold about 110 cars, and I've got about 132 on the property. So I've got like great SUVs, uh, luxury cars. Believe it or not, seems to be the only place with any value where you don't overpay ridiculously. But I just had a friend of mine who's in the business offer me a RAV4 Prime hybrid, and he wants $12,000 over the original sticker price. I'm like, are you out of your mind? 
Wow. Somebody will come and pay. Do you have any uh, Land Rovers right now? Yes. Nine, uh, 20, 2020. Are you shopping on the show? Yes. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk to him after about that. So, <laughs> we're going to show everybody how easy it is to buy a car. Right? Right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking we're about. We'll do it right now. Yeah, we'll do it right now. Can you send him a couple pictures? Yeah. It's funny. So I bought a 23, like the Land Rover Defender, that new body style Defender that, that goes way, way back. Everybody loves it. But, you know, they're almost $100,000, but people love them. They, they last about three to four days on the website. The Range Rover Sport, you know, there's a diesel Range Rover Sport out there. Something that mechanically can run forever, and it does well. What a high mileage, a full-size Range Rover. A 2019 with 90,000 miles on it. But instead of selling for $96,000, it sells for like $65,000. Wow. So there's, there's all kinds of great stuff out there. Like, you know, some of those cheetah cars, you buy a high mileage car, you look great pulling up to the country. Nobody knows it's got 90,000 miles but you. Um, the newer stuff just always looks like you keep up with the Joneses. You get the latest, the greatest of everything. John, you still hear all these new places. Kia's, Hyundai's, all of them are still advertising up and down trying to get people to come in. They're still calling. Is it just that they bought advertising a year ago and it, it's not catching yeah, they, up? Yeah, they, most of them have yearly contracts. And they all have like used cars. And any new cars they do have could be ten and $12,000 over sticker price. So yeah, you can get a decent return on your investment if somebody does come in and you tell them, oh, don't worry about those addendums. Let's go look at your monthly payments. And they squeeze you into a finance office and bing, bang, boom, they wave, wave a magic wand and you just signed in for $650 on a, a Kia Forte. Stuff happens every day. The people get kind of sucked into the ether. They leave too much fat in the price to see if people are foolish enough to pay it. I opened the company seven years ago, me and Natalie, and we said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to price them just over wholesale so that you know, somebody comes in, there's no haggling, there's no dealer fees. You know, people don't hey, hey, John, John, let's let's yeah. talk about your industry, okay? I know you're a good guy. I like you. You're one of our first guests on the show. You're a good man. But the old motto was at every dealership, there's a seat for every app. Yeah, I know. Isn't that sad? I, it, it is. It, we spend so much time and effort, though, trying to break the stereotypes. Right. Um, like, I can remember when, one of my lines was always, like, you know, the, I priced my cars thousands below dealers. And when I worked for a big store doing 5,000 cars a month, the owner hated that. Like, how can you say that we are dealers? Like, no, you might be a dealer. I'm not. I'm not like them. And I prove it to every single customer every time I interact. They have their way. I have my way. My way, you look at something, you get an open-door quote in 30 seconds. Okay, but but that's now. But years ago, they used to have all these different training tools to teach sales reps how to manipulate, how to deceive. You're going to laugh. This is a true story. John, one of my buddies bought a car. His parents did, right? Yep. And we went down there, and they told him that it had 300 miles. And we're looking at this thing like, you could be kidding me. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this car's got 3,000 miles. And we went back to the dealer. The sales rep said, oh, no, no, no. There's a hidden decimal point. Oh, my God. Swear. So I, call, I called up. I said, look, you have a problem. You're, this isn't going to fly. And they're just like, what are you talking about? They said, they already bought it. I said, look, I'm going to come down, and you're going to put them in a new car, and you're not going to have 3,000 miles. And same thing, guys yelling, screaming. I said, it's okay. I need your name and the spelling of your last name. He's like, why? I'm like, well, I'm calling the police. I'm coming down. I'm going to have you arrested. And uh, one of you is coming out of here in handcuffs. You can show all the other sales rep how illegal it is to tell people about, you know, the hidden decimal point, you loser. So you're going to give them a car. You're going to take this one back. Or I'm going to be dialing 911 when I'm standing there. And sure as crap, 
They gave them the car that they wanted. And I said, now I want an apology. And the sales rep had the nerve to come over and said, really, I'm so sorry. I had no idea it wasn't a hidden decimal point. Oh <laughs> so that was one. Another story, I walked in with a friend of mine and we got a car and I did all the stuff and all the numbers were there. And I said, okay, I gotta go now. You're set. He says, yep. He comes back to my office and he shows me the deal. I said, dude, what did you do? He said, what do you mean? I'm like, your $1,500 trade-in, they wiped it out. He's like, no. I'm like, they wiped it out. It's gone. He's like, you're kidding. So we, I went back in there the next day. And I'm like, hey, look, guys, you made a mistake. And they said, look, this is pretty much a confidential transaction. We really can't discuss it with you. I'm like, you can't? But yesterday when we were buying the car, you did. And when I left, you changed all the numbers. And then I did my old, I'm, ta I'm dialing 911 because this is criminal. This is a theft. It's a felony. You stole $1,500 from this guy. So you've got five minutes to figure out how to fix it, or I'm dialing 911. And four minutes later, they came out and said, uh, I'm so sorry, but yeah, we made a mistake. We made a mistake, huh? It, it really was an Why honest mistake. Why they always made mistakes to their side? Never right, exactly. <laughs> you know? So unfortunately, your industry's got such a bad name and reputation. I personally, I hate going buying a car. I hate it. I can't stand it. So, John, my, my line is when I'm buying a car, I'll walk in and say, hey, John, have you ever been paid 50 bucks to sign a document? And they say no. Oh. I said, well, today you get me 50 bucks because that's all I'm paying you. You're not making a dime more than 50 bucks because that's what I'm paying you, and that's it. I just hate when they come up with these beautiful stories. Oh, let me talk to my boss. I'm going to get you out of it, man. Up and down. Just, yeah, just, I just hate it. Man. I just want to buy this car. I bought a Nissan, yeah. right? And I walked in there, and I knew what I wanted, and it was a Nissan Quest, and I'm going back and forth with the guy. And uh, he basically tells me, uh, yeah, you're not going to get at that number. And we finally got the number, and then there's this $500 dealer fee. I'm like, I'm not paying it. And he says, I've got the only car around here. You're going to pay it. I said, buddy, not only am I not going to pay it, but I'm going to go to another dealership, and they're going to do a dealer swap, and you're not going to sell this car. Good luck. So, John, you'll appreciate this. I called another dealer. I gave him the VIN number, said, here's the car. I'll pay MSRP, but I need that car in an hour. Can you get it? So what do you think that guy did? Dealer trade. He ran back over, and that guy calls me back and says, you weren't kidding. They already called me. They're trying to get it. I'll give you the car for the five. Uh, we'll take the $500 off. Doesn't it suck you got to go through all that, though? I hate having to do this, but it's a game, That's you know? About Three cigarettes he smokes while he was doing that four, maybe. <laughs> it was crazy. So, John, let's talk about that. You were trained in this. I know you at some point you used to train people to do this. Tell me the truth. Put the fear of God on them. This is the only card you're going to lose in home. We're giving you the best deal possible. Oh, my God, my boss. He's right? taking care of you. What do you got? So, here's my thing. I, I had to go through all the training. I had to listen to all the, the goofiness in, in the sales meetings. I, and I say this to this day. I hate people in the car business. Like, none of my close friends are in the car business. People come in all the time and ask me, do you know this guy? Do you know that guy? And I don't. I ran very small stores. I was a Saab guy. I loved Saabs. I ran seven different Saab stores. I came down here, worked for a couple of the big franchise stores. Um, I ran the biggest used car store in the country. I always did things my way. I'm kind of a thick-headed bull. I've never, and I can say this with all honesty, I've never had to resort to that stuff. I'm personable. I love talking to people. Uh, my customers come and hang out with me for an hour at a time, not even looking to buy anything, just to hang out and see how business is. So I've always been able to avoid it. But I say this, all, this is kind of how I explain my business model. The fact that they suck as much as they do 
makes my life so much easier. You got to like did, it. Then there'd be nothing special about our store. John, we need to go to a commercial break real quick so we can get some advertisers in here, and we'll be right back. Could you hold on just one second? Don't leave. Not me. And do not sell somebody a car they don't need right now while we're waiting. (laughs) When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. This is Alan, Secret to My Success, and we are back. Mr. Luis Salas, say, uh... What's up? What's up? We're having fun, bro. We're having fun. We are sitting here with our buddy, John Giasulu. John, say something funny. He bought a Traeger. While you guys were on commercial break, I just smoked a rack of ribs, and they're unbelievable. (laughs) Nice. On the magical Traeger. You guys keep talking, guys. I'm going to eat ribs while you talk. We're coming up. We're coming up. So, John... I really think I'd like to have you start a class for people so that we can train consumers how to give it back to new car dealers. What do you think? Well, honestly, I mean, there are people out there that do that. You can make a living trying to train people on how to buy a car. But the reality is common sense. When they act stupid, walk away. I hate, hate, hate when like you shake hands. Or they, yeah, we'll do it for $20,000. You shake hands, you sit down with them, and then there's that $1,200 dealer fee. And then you negotiate some of the fee away, and you still buy the car from them. They blatantly lied to you. They shook your hand and then bumped the price. People have got to have the guts to just walk away, and I'm not putting up with it. Well, Reviews. I, I, think, I think a lot of dealers expect you to be emotional, and they can play yeah. on your emotions when you're buying they a car. They make you wait a long time. They get you tired of waiting. And no, I, I th- but I, I think they expect your emotions to dictate your actions whereas i have friends that ask me to go in because i'm totally non-emotional i mean my whole thing is 28 cents if you're 28 cents over my number i don't care i'm not doing it (laughs) and it was funny i walked into your old place at one point with my son and i walked in at like 12 o'clock and i said to the guy by three o'clock i'm leaving so if we don't have something in place i'm letting you know at three o'clock i'm leaving and he's like, well, you know, you know. And we, you know, jerked around trying to get all the cars. And someone wouldn't start. And I couldn't find the keys and blah, 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 blah. So it's quarter of three. And I've been waiting now 30 minutes with a finance guy. And I'm like, okay, buddy, in 15 minutes, I'm leaving. And he's like, but but that's not the way it works. I said, really, how is it? He says, well, you can keep complaining if you want. And you'll wait even longer. Or you could just kind of relax and we'll get you in there. I said, well, there's a third option. He says, what's that? I said, you could take the car and shove it because I ain't buying it. And at this point, you got 10 minutes and I'm done. And he's really upset with me. I'm like, buddy, not interested now. And I got him left. 
And then, oh, no, 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 the manager starts calling me. And I'm like, really? Which part of the first thing that I told you did you not understand? Where was this camera concern at noon when I said I'm leaving at 3? Right. Exactly. But like I said, as soon as I want to walk, they, they all want to come talk to me. I'm like, no, I'm just not buying a car because I don't like you. <laughs> I don't even care about the deal. I just don't but like I, you. I'm done. I wish more people had the guts to do that, though, because it's the only way they're ever going to learn. If their stupidity and their trickery keeps working, why would they change it? So all of the people out there who went through that bogus BS and still took delivery of the car, they're part of the problem. They're definitely not part of the solution. The guy who walked out and said, screw you, he's part of the solution. He's sending a message that I'll no longer be treated that way. I'll no longer put up with your monkey business. That I want a better way of doing this. John, I went to a Toyota place because they sent me this thing in the mail, and they basically said that they were going to give me X amount of dollars for my uh, for my Prius, and they were going to sell me a car at this price. I mean, pretty blatant. I walked in there, and they said, well, here, I said, well, you sent me this flyer, and if you're going to honor both sides of it, then I'll spend some time with you. If not, then forget it. They said, oh, no, 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 we could do that. We could do that. You know, an hour later, they come back, and I said, well, you don't understand. You get one or the other. I said, what do you mean you get one or the other? Well, you're either going to get this trade in or if you look at the very, 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 very little fine print or you can get this price. I'm like, buddy, when I walked in, I showed this to you and I explained I needed both sides of this or I was leaving. And you've now jerked me around for an hour. And basically they bring the manager over and says, hey, buddy, if you're really interested in buying a car, you wouldn't be playing with us. I said, you you got to be kidding me. I said, I'll tell you what. Today was a mistake on your part. I'm going to make you miserable. And they're like, what? I said, really, today's a mistake. And I left. And I posted everywhere on social media. I went crazy. I called the county commissioner's office. I said, it's false advertising. Maybe we need the feds involved. I mean, this whole thing is ridiculous. And uh, general manager finally calls me back and says, buddy, I, I need to see you. I said, okay. So I go into his office. And he says, look, I, I need you to stop what you're doing. This is really, really not good for us. I'm like, well, it kind of wasn't meant to be good for you. It was meant that for you to stop this practice. <laughs> and he says, I'll do it. I will, I'll match that deal. I will give you for your car, and I will sell the car at that price. I said, are you just doing it for me, or are you going to do this for everyone? He says, no, 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 just for you. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what. Why don't you stop being a scumbag like everybody in your industry? And why don't you tell people you're really going to be a good guy and you're going to do real, honest pricing? And you know what he tells me? It's not going to happen. Everybody in our industry sucks, and there's no way I can compete with them by trying to be honest. Wow. That's what he told me. And it was a big Toyota dealer in Palm Beach. And I looked at him, and I laughed and said, Which one was that one? I can't get it. But I, I said, look, I am a hypocrite if I accept this from you. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not pulling my social media down. I wish you the best, and I left. And part of that is, I don't know if I've told you this, John, but my father was the father of the Lemon Law in Connecticut. Oh, really? Yes. So in Connecticut, while you were probably up there, Connecticut had passed this Lemon Law. And it was a guy named John Woodcock, and my father got recognition. He fought for this and fought for this and pushed it. And Connecticut was the model for the Lemon Law in most states. Nice. Bunch of dealerships in Massachusetts decided they wanted the Lemon Law. And their reasoning was people are going to Connecticut to buy cars because they have protection that they're not getting in Massachusetts. So it was actually hurting the dealerships in East Long Meadow and Springfield. They were not getting sales because they were going to Connecticut. Makes sense. I mean, I would. Wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. 
So Five, 30 minutes, and here's that whole problem. Like I said, when this guy comes out and says, I'm part of an industry that's totally dishonest and corrupt, I can't be honest because I can't compete that way. That sucks. No, years ago, I mean, I had some of those big dealers in Massachusetts. They don't answer the phone. They're just they're too big for their own britches. And we would just tell people, do me a favor. Call your salesman at this big store right now to offer him the money. See if he'll take your phone call when you're trying to give him money. And when, of course, they can't get him on the phone, now imagine your car's broken down on the side of the road. He won't pick up the phone when you're trying to give him $30,000. You think he'll pick up the phone when you're broken down? You're chasing price and lies when you should be chasing service and quality. And that's always where the customers have been amiss. They get so focused on best price, best price, best price, that they're either buying the worst car or the worst service. And then that best price kind of goes right out the window. Or there's trickery and games and other garbage. People need to learn how to shop dealers, not price. If you went like all those bad stores that have all these horrible, all these horrible things that happen to you, these stories you're telling, if we went on to Kaguru or Google and we searched out that deal and we started reading their reviews, their unfavorable reviews first, You'd be like, wow, you would have never wasted the gas to get down there. They're atrocious, and it's in writing. You can, it's verifiable what kinds of games they're going to play. You can almost be prepared for what you're going to hear when you go there. And that's why those reviews can hurt a dealer. But it takes the customer taking the time to write that bad review or hence write the good review if things go like, wow, best car buying experience ever. So people can really you know, kind of force dealers to get their act together and to, to get more in line with what customers are actually looking for. Honest, transparent, straightforward. You're going to make money. We're business owners. We employ people. We've got bills to pay. We're going to make money. It just can't be disgusting. It can't be gluttony. But make a fair profit and move on. How do you train sales reps that are in the industry to stop doing the stupid things that they do? Zero tolerance is the first step. Okay. Zero tolerance. You stay or do something stupid that causes a bad review or a bad customer reaction, zero tolerance, get the hell out of it. If you're my kid or not, get out. We don't do that. And it starts with me. I mean, I can't expect them to be gentlemanly with customers and then go over there and tear somebody's face off because they want to negotiate. Like, that doesn't set the right example. Right. You know, if you're going to talk the talk, you better be able to walk the walk. You better treat people like they're the single most important thing in your business. I got to tell you, I love, I, you, this is another funny story. Years ago, next girlfriend was buying a car. We went and looked at, I think it was a Subaru. And they used to put the spare tire uh, in the engine compartment, right? Yeah. The, the Subarus. Yeah. I'm like, go get the keys. You want to take it for a ride? Said, no, 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 I have to finish doing my demonstration. I'm like, dude, I'm giving you about 10 seconds to go get the keys. He's no, no, no. <laughs> so he pops the hood and he says, do you know why they put that spare tire in the engine compartment. I said, well, why don't you tell me? He says, because in the wintertime, if you ever get a flat tire, this spare tire's warm and it's easier to handle. I'm like, okay, buddy, now I just know you're blowing it up my butt because what happens in the summertime when that tire's 120 degrees, that's one. And two, the tire's there because it's part of the engine compartment. So if you get into a crash, what keeps the engine from sitting on your lap is the steel from the tire that's between the motor and that wall. Oh, I'm like, stop trying to sell stupid. <laughs> they just stupid your face. Oh, maybe I can... oh my God. But I know you've heard this. And like I said, do you think this guy was smart enough to figure this out on his own? No, somebody trained him on this dumbness. <laughs> well, yeah, we used to say that, like, I tell that my look, Alan. I have that look. It's good that look. I don't think so. I don't think so. People should be messing with me. I don't think so. But, so, John, let's ask you the question. So, look, you've got yep. people coming to your place now, and they want to sell you a car. 
and they're looking for crazy amounts of money, it gets to the point where you have to figure you have to figure out how to make a decision. Am I going to eat that car? Am I going to take it apart to get my money back? Does it ever no, scare I, I, you that uh, you know? Have you ever eaten a car? You took it in at a rate that you just couldn't sell it for. Oh no, no, we, we lose money on cars, but we don't really. Again, here's a little bit different. So, if we want to average a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars a car, then that's an average. That means you're going to lose money on some cars. You're going to make more than that on other cars, and your average is going to be there. But the trick is when you're buying, like any other business, there's got to, it's got to be backed by data and not emotion. You said earlier that you don't get emotional. Well, if you're emotional and you're a buyer, you're out of business in three months. It, this is just business, and I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to. I'm, when I give numbers up to people, I'm worried that they're going to think, "Oh, is he lowballing me like the car dealers do?" I'm always worried about their reaction. But so I, I justify everything. If I tried to buy your car from you for forty thousand dollars and you thought it was worth fifty, my next sentence is going to be something related to the data that I used to come up with my number. How did you come up with yours? Like. So I'll always be the more rational of the two because I'll be backed by data. And and I don't get mad if they don't want to sell me the car. If you really were able to get 10000 more than I'm offering, God bless you. Everybody could use an extra $10,000. What you did is you got into the car business for a couple of days and you tried to sell something. But I, I, if you buy it right, you'll always be able to sell it fairly quickly and make a small profit. You shouldn't really lose money, but we can't control everything. So I've had perfectly good cars that somehow sat here for 60 days and therefore lost money. And I've had other cars that I thought was a stupid buy. I only did it because I was desperate, and it sold in a day and made money. And I like, I made money in spite of myself. Yeah, John, as a dealership, do you rather lease or you rather sell? So I don't do any leasing. Uh, there are used car leases out there, but I don't like the programs. They're too high uh, for the effective interest rate on customers. I think they hurt more than they help. I think, and if people want to be safe. They'll buy at the right price. They'll get a car that's you know, priced right. They'll put a fair amount of money down so that they instantly have equity in that vehicle. And if they're financing it, pay as much as you can afford to pay, not just a monthly payment, which will, again, save them money and interest paid and lower their overall cost. And they'll always be in a positive equity situation when it's time to trade, so long as they don't get screwed by anybody. Honest if, numbers to honest numbers, they'll always do okay. If somebody got a fair price on a car, what's your opinions on uh, gap policies? Uh, gap is only really required to say, if you've got like less than $3,000 down financing your car, tax and tag is going to eat up most of that anyway. Gap is a reasonable product and you're just, you're weighing out the risk. Is it worth it for $7 a month to not have to potentially pay $2,000 if the car is stolen or totaled? So that's like an individual decision. What customers have to be worried about is they'll say, no, you need gap. Or they, they make it sound like it's mandatory or the bank says you should have gap on that. That's where they cross the line, and that's where they stop breaking laws. Gap is always optional, as are like extended warranties. Those are decisions that every customer has to make on their own. If it makes sense for the extra seven dollars a month for Gap, does it make sense for fifteen or twenty dollars a month to have an extended warranty? Every car is different. Every financial situation is different. But um, those are the two products that get sold in the finance office that I think actually make sense. The other stuff is just fluff for profit. So, John, on, on, on buying a car, you, uh, I've heard before that try to put as little money as possible and just finance it. You just said it's the opposite. Put as much as you can that you can afford and get a small So here's the you only put down $1,000. Well, your tax, your tag, in most cases the dealer fee, are going to come to far more than that. So you're already $2,000 negative equity, and you're paying interest on that entire amount. 
Right. Gotcha. Uh, to me, I want 10 to 30% down if possible. Gotcha. My kids, like my kids are young. They're going through this stuff right now. I tell them all, like, you know, if they can put down $3,000, that's fine. Monthly payments only $208 a month. Well, could you pay 500 if you had to? Well, yeah. Well, then pay your car down. Yeah, I make my kids, like, all that credit card debt has to be paid off. And then the next most expensive thing is most likely going to be that car payment. So the same thing. Pay as much as you can towards that and get rid of it. Don't carry debt. Right. Don't be like everybody else. It's only like $200 a month at 84 months. That's not healthy. Right. You total up how much they're making you pay in interest. It will motivate you to spend more money per month and therefore pay less money in interest. Where do you see interest rates right now for people with, I'd say, good credit to relative credit in this marketplace? I know the interest rates have been going up. It's funny because... We struggle with this right now. So go back three months ago, maybe six months ago. We're telling if you got good credit, three nine nine for a, like a, an interest rate, and you can't say that anymore. There are people with eight hundred credit scores getting like five and a half, six percent for rates. So you can imagine somebody with just marginal credit or average credit, they could be looking at seven and a half or eight percent. So there, more than ever, my argument makes sense. Pay as much money as you possibly can every month, and just knock that thing down. It took us forever to learn this with mortgages. I mean, the monthly payment difference between a 15-year mortgage and a 30-year mortgage was nominal. Everybody could afford a 15, but we didn't do it. It just seemed like you were taking on so much. And now the smart thing to do is you get your 15-year mortgage and you knock it off. I mean, let's, let's stop getting ourselves buried in debt. Right. Pay things off. Let's own stuff. So, John, we're actually running out of time. Let's talk about where you are. Classic Cars of Palm Beach is located... On US-1 in Jupiter, right, uh, just north of the lighthouse. Uh, bridge construction is going on, so it's a little tricky. But what's cool is we're wedged in between A1A and US-1, so we're easy to get to from all avenues coming north, south, east, or west. So people like that. I mean, you'll, you'll come here. It's a good vibe. I mean, you'll be surprised that there's just no pressure. So you have cars online. They can see what's available. Yeah, classichouseofpalmbeach.com. About 130 cars online right now. Um, no commission salespeople, no dealer fees, none of the ugh that ever drove you crazy in a car dealership. You should not run into any of that here. Okay. So there is updated inventory. So if I call you up, you're not going to say, oh, yeah, we sold a car in 1919. No? Yeah. Every day that inventory gets updated. If it got sold that day, it gets taken off before we leave. Everything we buy gets put on minutes after buying it. So the website you go to is as active as it could possibly be. So I want, I want to know who the employee of the month is. Yeah, I got to say this. I've got uh, a detailer who is a monster. Johnny does all of our detailing. He's a lot of high-end cars. Um, he's had surgery on both wrists in the last couple of months, and this kid shows up every morning at 7.30. He's out of here by about 3.30, was out in that heat all day long, never complained. I actually don't know if I've ever seen him eat, so he might be a, a robot or something. I don't know. But the kid's a monster. So Johnny Danini, everybody in town knows him. Everybody with these high-end cars, they come to him for details on the weekends and when he's not working. But he has absolutely crushed it. Through all of his surgeries and stuff, he's still here every single day working. That's, he was late this morning. He got stitches taken out of his hand this morning, and he's out there working. I can see him on the cameras right now. That's awesome. So I'm out there cleaning cars. Okay, so what's your phone number to the uh, location? 561-529-3101. Once again? Five six one five two nine thirty one zero one. That is fantastic. Is there any good car spouse you want to tell us before we leave? Something you really want to promote right now? I, I get you know you asked about the Range Rovers and it's funny. Everybody walks in, they see my Range Rover line, and they're just wild by it. Like every different style Range Rover out there, all at aggressive prices compared to what others charge. And I love hearing that. 
and all the electric vehicles. I mean, Lightnings, Rivians, Lucids, Teslas, uh, e-trons. There's some great stuff out there. And the other thing is, it's not, it's not just high-end cars. There are three to $5,000 cars out there as well. We have something for everybody. John, you're a good man. I appreciate you guys. This was a fun. This was this was fun. We were so I'm glad on. you spent all this time. The first time we had you, I think we cut you off at 10 minutes. You got the whole show. You are worth no every love. second of it. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.